Yeah, sometimes they use sometimes they use wrestlers. It's funny because like uh, like a while ago, so there's this wrestler in WWE named Drew Gulak, and he has a brother named Rory Gulak, who's also a wrestler on the Indies. Yeah, and uh, a while ago, somebody just screen capped it and was like, "Wow, I didn't know Rory Gulak was a doctor." <laughs> it's just from <laughs> like a WWE thing where they were just using him because they knew he knew what he was doing. It's like the third Hemsworth being cast in a movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And welcome to Wrestlesplania, the show where my co-host, Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling fan, explains wrestling to me, Rachel Millman, a wrestling novice. How are you, Kath? I'm good, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, We kind of pulled this one together, not pulled this together, but scheduled this very quickly uh, because of fairly big news in the wrestling world which is that daniel bryan is coming out of retirement yeah so, so this is our daniel bryan episode yeah i'm really excited about this so we uh like rachel said this was not in our sort of queue of episodes yeah. um we just heard about this on tuesday like everybody else there was a press release that daniel bryan had been cleared for in-ring action uh once again and that's a huge deal i mean people love Daniel Bryan. He's one of the most universally beloved wrestlers, I think probably of all time at this point. Um, so yeah, this is a really exciting uh, thing that we get to do. And we have not talked about this on the podcast yet, but we are going to WrestleMania. Yeah, we're going to which fucking is Mania. crazy. <laughs> and um, hopefully by the time this happens... Um, we will be done processing it, but I don't think we're ever <laughs> going to be done processing it yeah, in its own way. It's crazy. So The night been- that we solidified the plans, I was panting like a dog. <laughs> it I was a, crazy. I had a headache at the end of it, and our producer can verify that I was just sitting, I was like at three o'clock in the morning, slapping my thigh, yelling, <laughs> I'm going to New Orleans. Uh, and we, I, before we go any further, we, the only, the the people we have to thank are the listeners. Yeah, so thank particularly uh, our listener Valerie, who's Volcano on Twitter, who, who is the one who contacted us and got all this rolling. Yeah, yeah, and uh, thank you guys so much. Well, uh, when this comes out, hopefully we will have done our Twitch fundraiser. Um, so thank you in advance. Even if you don't give us money, thank you in advance for coming and watching stuff with us and listening. supporting us and listening and all of that. Uh, we're really, really moved by everybody's generosity not just you know material generosity but just your support as listeners and yeah this has been so exciting and i we can't i could talk about this just this for an hour because it's amazing yeah and it's just it's so gratifying to have like my weird analysis uh, what i consider to be probably my weird analysis uh and reactions to wrestling not only listened to but validated yeah validated so cool i think it's the coolest thing on earth it's really exciting and um i i just you know i was excited to do the show with you i i thought it was going to be good and it has been good and it is good but i was not expecting necessarily to have this sort of this enthusiastic reaction to it right away and mm-hmm. it's been incredible yeah. um yeah so with all that out of the way we're super pumped to see whatever happens with daniel bryan at wrestlemania yeah as of this recording we don't know exactly what that's going to be nope um 
But we decided to sort of bone up on our Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, a.k.a. <laughs> the American Dragon. Uh, our, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, was... nice. <laughs> so basically for me, what kicked this off in terms of any any sort of learning about Daniel, Daniel Bryan at all is that I knew of him. I knew his name just because like I sort of know any wrestler's peripheral names. Sure. But the second I saw... Daniel Bryan is returning to WWE. What I did for the sake of the show is I muted all keywords that I knew ah. because I wanted to remain as like pure as possible. Interesting. That's a good strategy. I knew. And it's actually why I hadn't been on the WrestleSplania account either because mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Anything. I'm sure there's stuff that Kath wants me to see. I can't stop everything from leaking through, but I'd rather just like, you know, stick to the ethos of what we're doing. Because uh, I almost started just like watching clips, but I was like, wait, I feel like we're going to do an episode on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what I knew going in was CTE. Yep. Dubious doctor. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know his era. I didn't know how old he was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know his character. And so it's just it's this has been generally speaking a really fun way to learn about wrestling because I don't have to immerse myself in a universe I can put on I can put I can basically launch into tunnel vision and only consume one thing Mm -hmm. and then just figure out how all the puzzle pieces work together yeah this has been a really fun puzzle piece to learn it's been fun too because like the more you learn the more um interesting putting matches together for you to watch has been because it's like okay uh, we're gonna watch Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. Rachel already knows John Cena, so yeah, this and like helps. I knew John Cena like way prior, right? <laughs> but it, like it helps kind of color uh, what's happening. So the matches we watched for this episode, if you're curious, are um, the Bryan Danielson versus Takeshi Morishima ROH Championship match from I think 2007. That's on YouTube. Um, then we watched. Uh, SummerSlam 2013 with John Cena and then we watched both his matches at WrestleMania 30 and this is Triple H Randy Orton and Dave Bautista right yep yeah that was the first time I've seen Dave Bautista wrestle yeah because you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy yeah I've seen one (laughs) and two and I will probably see Infinity War despite the fact that we are all experiencing Marvel burnout (laughs) Uh, because you know I buy the ticket to the thing also I have movie pass now so whatever this storyline has been really uh, exciting to to get into um, to prepare for this episode because like I had never really seen this stuff either. I knew this story and I knew sort of the trajectory of WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania journey, uh, just through people telling me about it. And this moment of what happens at the end of the main event at WrestleMania being a huge emotional moment for all of my friends that were wrestling fans at the time. So this has been really fun. Um, It's a really exciting story. I was looking up um, a quote from, there's a really good website called The Spectacle of Excess that has a a bunch of wonderful essays about uh, professional wrestling. Which we have mentioned on the Golden Lovers episode. Yes, because Hunters was published there. With LB's essay. So Andrea Hetherington is who writes that. And there was an amazing Andrew Heatherton and uh, Ryan Boyd um, seem to be the main contributors. I can't remember everybody else's name and I apologize. But there was a one of them wrote an an essay on there where they talked about Daniel Bryan and they said, if you took the trajectory of professional wrestling from its invention through its history, a logical endpoint of it would be Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Like, this is the story. This is th- this idea of this just 
like your scrappy underdog baby face fighting against everything. Everything stands in his way and he gets through it just by sheer force of will and the amount of heart that he has. And I have to say, it's an everything in his way that you completely buy as a viewer. Yeah. Like, I know as I enter more and more smart territory, I know there's a lot of contention around, like, say, and, you know, the trigger word of Roman Reigns, uh, of, like, <laughs> of like, is there anything in his way? But, like, this is not a narrative I have trouble believing at all. Mm-hmm. I 100% believe it. Yeah. Um. It's... So, to start off, you had me watch the Ring of Honor match, and... What again? I I said this while we were watching the two matches together later in like you know the Daniel Bryan narrative. It would have taken so much time, but if there had been a way for me to watch all of the content and not know anything about his in- injuries or you know a detached retina and then yeah. have me rewatch them with that knowledge, <laughs> that would be a wild reaction. But that would mostly be for me because there's. There, we only have so much time for me to go, oh my fucking God, repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, it is hard <laughs> watching this stuff not contemporarily with when it's happening when you know what's happened to him. Oh, yeah. Be, and especially this ROH match, which is so unbelievably brutal. And yeah, he, his, he gets a detached retina about four minutes into the match and then wrestles for 20 more minutes Ugh. and is clearly obviously in pain and is like holding his face. Even the commentators are openly concerned in this match. And I mean, it's that, so that already lends a shade of, it goes from being like, you know, wrestling is fake to this is a real fight, but it already has that. It is a brutal match top to bottom. And it's not brutal in a Joshi way. It's not brutal in a, oh, wow, there's thumbtacks on the floor. Way. Yeah, it's it not is a death just match. A fu- it is just a fight where two people do not like each other. Yeah, and uh, I think it's interesting. I don't know when this is going to come out in relation to our episode that we did about AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura but I think it's a similar thing in the sense of this wrestling does not look worked it looks like real fighting and it's choreographed like wrestling it do- it's, doesn't look like an MMA fight or anything but at the same time they're really hitting each other they're, nobody's slapping their legs in this match no. this is no. serious and you have this big dude Takeshi Morishima way bigger than Daniel they Bryan. They keep mentioning his large legs which is really funny because <laughs> we've, we've talked about big <laughs> legs a bunch and I just I do want to say that we've talked about things that look like quote end quote realer fight, fighting like we talked about the Fred Yehi match and how that mm-hmm. looks like real fighting and how AJ Styles looks like real fighting. I don't know if I have the right terms to talk. This looks real in a different third way. Yeah. Like AJ is just seamless and beautiful and it's smooth. Like, it's just watching a very beautiful performance. Fred Yehi is like you are grappling and it's going hard. Sort of in a Zach section. Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. Yes. You could say Zach is sort of like the, the missing link between Yehi and uh, uh, Daniel's Daniel Bryan's style of fighting because Daniel Bryan the big thing that I took away from from watching all of his matches in chronological order is that his showmanship changed, but mm-hmm. like me believing how hard the bumps he was taking and how how much heart he has does not change. Yeah, I think he's it's interesting because we say he has a lot of heart and he does. And I think one of the first things we watched was uh, Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Almas. And it I feels think so long ago. I know. I know. <laughs> you've learned so much since then. I can't wait to do Almas. <laughs> but the, the Gargano match, people have been comparing Johnny Gargano's sort of 
trajectory in WWE to Daniel Bryan in a complimentary way Ooh. of saying like this is your scrappy underdog baby face that has so much heart like that's what people call now Johnny I Gargano and now I have to watch that while we make pizza later yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. we're making pizza later um. <laughs> that, but that's like they call him all heart Johnny Gargano like that's his nickname and Aww. Daniel Bryan we say wrestles the same way and it's true but he's, he's also incredibly intelligent yeah so it's not just fight it is fight but he's also so strategic he doesn't do a lot of super theatrical showy moves he does simple moves and executes them very intelligently and i think that it shows somebody with a mind for understanding wrestling the theatrics are in his cell yeah uh but the thing is is that his cell does not feel like a cell like that guy is like working through a concussion at yeah, like he, high bitrate speed. He uh, <laughs> he fucking detaches retina. Like he's selling because his retina is detached and it hurts. Wait, oh god, oh god, that matches. It's just it's so brutal. There's one moment you told me he detaches the retina, so I'm spending the whole time like waiting for the pop essentially. <laughs> and I know that's probably not the right way to use pop, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's you're just waiting for him to start gripping his head and there's a point where he jumps out of the ring and lands on his opponent out of the ring what's the guy's name again Takeshi Morishima there's there's a point where he lands on Takeshi out of the ring and he's doesn't he doesn't have good form in it because he's jumping out of the ring holding Holding his his eye making sure it doesn't fall out of his face oh like I can't (laughs) imagine how do you even process that how do you sort of you know weigh those things because when you're in in my experience when you are going through a traumatic time whether it's like physically or emotionally traumatic you tend to become this amazing multitasker in your brain which for me with you know very rampant and like you know ever flowing ADHD it's sort (laughs) of this incredible clarity but it's always at like the worst time possible so you hate the clarity um so you find yourself being like okay I have column A which I'm going to do column B I will worry about later column C I am currently experiencing and so I can imagine that from an emotional perspective Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine that emotion those processing those emotions while wrestling with a detached retina (laughs) like what do you do do you go like am i having i'm i can't maybe this is projection but like if that were me i would be like okay i'm having a cerebral aneurysm right i'm done i'm out i'm not (laughs) dying my brain is popping right (laughs) and just the fact that he's able to wrestle through that and clearly be so much in pain and still give a really incredible performance there's also a moment in this match that it's kind of off topic because it's it's not it's something Morishima does but it just makes me laugh where uh he Daniel Bryan goes for a sunset flip which is where you grab you sort of flip around the guy and grab his legs and try to pull him over yeah and uh Daniel's trying to do a sunset flip and Takeshi Morishima just sits down on him yes yes it's so good because he sits right on his chest too yeah 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 and like he's holding his eye he's like he, he I'm sure he's like he thinks his ribs are going to just explode at any moment <laughs> Uh, it's it's a fun match too but it just it leaves me so terrified of both men and to note too Daniel Bryan's chosen aesthetic in, during that match is not what he has now he's bald he has no beard so yeah. when I clicked on the second match I was like 
did I wrong? Did I did I watch the wrong thing? Did I, which which one is the wrong thing that I'm watching? Because these two people don't look alike. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he goes from being like this kind of bald, scary looking dude to he's got a Jesus aesthetic going. Yeah, like yeah. if Rob Zombie played Jesus. <laughs> I know you don't agree with the Rob Zombie comparison. I, have, I just have to look up Rob Zombie, but I like the description of if Rob Zombie played Jesus. <laughs> oh well, he's always playing Jesus. Let's be real. He is. It's he's very Christ-like. He's. We talked about Rob this a Zombie? lot. Or- <laughs> Daniel Bryan very very much like a Christ figure in a lot of ways like he's so voice of the voiceless like yeah and it's so that's like I think a fascinating thing and we're jumping ahead a little bit here but just his story of how he had to retire and now coming back like it fits with this it's been a really long three days <laughs> where well, he's been dead it, yeah like it it fits with this narrative that wwe has told about him which is that he will fight through anything and that he we didn't watch it because i i don't i have mixed feelings about it but when he comes back to smackdown he basically gives this promo that's like you know if you just want something bad enough you can make your dreams real and it's like no you can't if your dream is to not have brain damage and you have brain damage (laughs) like that's not how dreams work (laughs) But it is if you're Jesus. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, the water into wine. The yeah. CTE into normal skin. Into normal brain. <laughs> well, that kind of ties in with what you told me about how he's like maybe an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, I don't I don't know if, if anti-vaxxer is like, I think that's going a little far, but he's definitely like a crunchy granola Jill Stein type of uh, yeah. lefty. So there are worse ways you could vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we are not that show. <laughs> uh, like, but he's definitely the type to think he do you think he believes in the secret? Yeah, I mean, that's like basically what this promo was, was like the secret. <laughs> He's definitely a, a, you know, he believes in positive affirmation for sure. What you put out is what you take <laughs> in. Um. So, and with that, I think this is a perfect segue into his story in WWE, which we watched um, sort of, he we watched his road to WrestleMania 30, which started with SummerSlam 2013 against John Cena. And... The story, the story of this whole thing is is basically that is like if you want something bad enough and you fight for it enough and you have enough heart, you will get what you want. And even if everybody is standing in your way. And so this is a perfect segue into what we watched in WWE, which is his road to WrestleMania, um, WrestleMania 30, which starts with him fighting John Cena at SummerSlam. And in 2013, right? For in 2013. In case anybody wants to go back and find the clips. Yes, it's SummerSlam 2013. And... Um, the commentary team sets it up really well because they say this match is between Daniel Bryan, the wrestler and John Cena, the entertainer. Oh, and that's whether or not it's intended. That's like the perfect sort of commentary for the type of analysis we like to do. Yeah. I also think, and this is because I'm coming from a limited scope. I think John Cena is a really perfect opponent for him because John Cena, especially now is all about like, you have to, you can have heart and do the right thing. And I'm a good guy. Like John Cena. I know he's definitely been a heel a bunch of times. He's a great heel when he wants to be, but he's very, very good at occupying that sort of like, I respect you soldier, even though he's not a soldier. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and also when you're talking about what happens in the subsequent uh, pay-per-views and stuff up until WrestleMania, Cena is a perfect foil for Daniel Bryan because the whole story is 
you're not what the company wants. And yeah. Cena is a company man and you're fighting this guy. And this was in the era of peak booing Cena. Now the attitude about Cena is sort of mixed. Like he's a porg. He's a porg, exactly. He's a porg. But this was at the time where Smarks like really didn't like him. Now Smarks are sort of 50-50. But you can and everybody again is starting to feel like the company is holding Daniel Bryan down. So if he beats Cena and he gets becomes the champion, finally he will be acknowledged in this company the way he has been acknowledged out of this company, which is as the best wrestler in the world. So I th- agree that Cena is perfect for this. And yeah. it's a really, really good wrestling match. Oh, it's a great match because I guess, again, because I see Cena as present Cena where he's part-timer, he's a comedy actor, he's about to play a goofy dad cock-blocking his daughter on prom night. I'm pumped for that movie. Uh, <laughs> friends of mine saw it and said it was really good. Really? Yeah. I bet he's good in it. Like, Oh, 100%. I'm a little surprised to hear the movie is good, but I was like not... <laughs> I was definitely like Cena's gonna be good at this. Well, yeah, he's he's great. I think I we've talked about this before. If you're a wrestler, you know how to move in your body. You know to have how to have possession of your body. And it kind of is crazy to me that more wrestlers aren't physical comedians. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. WWE wrestlers like Dustin and Greg are physical comedians. Yeah. Um. Well, I think part of that is because uh, WWE when they try to do comedy, they usually don't do it well. Like most of the time when they're trying to be funny, it's like not that funny. Yeah. Like the yeah. New Day's funny. Heath Slater's funny. Heath Slater's and English is funny. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. But they're all funny because they defy the stereotypes of what WWE is at the yeah. moment. Like yeah. but we can get into that at a later time. Um <laughs> the the Cena match is great because I've seen like I've seen Cena before. He's a fun wrestler, but Cena's role kind of at this point in the in what I've seen of Cena, it's a great sentence, uh, is that he just kind of shows up and is big and everyone goes, Oh, and that's it. So Cena actually wrestles here and I get to actually see I actually I get to actually observe his style and see how he interacts with Daniel as a wrestler. And they say the wrestler versus entertainer, but John drops the entertainment about a third of the way through the match, and it just becomes a fight. Mm-hmm. Like there's a point where you can see a shiner developing really quickly on his face, which is scary. You yeah. don't see that as often in WWE. Yeah, he gets he gets a black eye, and um, I think the vibe, especially at the end when he shakes his hand, because Daniel Bryan ends up winning and he wins the belt. Yeah, and I. I the vibe I get from this match is like dad teaching the teaching the son some manners. Ooh, like that's yeah. like kind of which I think you said about Keith Lee and A.R. Fox back on our Evolve episode. Oh, yeah. But I think it's a good model for a sort of a wrestling archetype. And yes. that, that to me is like he's sort of like, yeah, yeah, I'm the entertainer. Like we're going to have a fun time. We're going to entertain these people. And then he sees that Daniel Bryan is fucking serious. And he's like, oh, you want to fucking go? Yeah, I can go. And yeah. And then at the end, he sort of earns Cena's respect. Yeah. Cena uh, shakes his hand. He rolls out of the ring. And then it is before we get, we before we get into the and then uh it says a lot of how Cena is good as an actor. And we do think he's probably going to, you know, continue to develop as a decent comedic actor and just an actor in general is that I know Cena congratulating him and like sort of being the person to open up to him and being like I respect you you earned it it doesn't feel like a work yeah it feels very sincere well it's also it might be sincere it's probably sincere to a degree I think it is but I I think it's also 
um, they're still trying to get John Cena over as a face. So it's like, yeah, this guy, Daniel Bryan, is the people's hero. And we don't want John Cena to be mad about his loss because we want people to like John Cena. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a strategic decision, but he plays it really well because, as we've talked about on this podcast before, John Cena is very good at his job. He's excellent at his job. Oh, my God. I kind of can't wait to do an episode on him, but it's going to be like two, at least two hours. Um so we get to the end of that match and Dan- Daniel Bryan is pumping the crowd and he's elated and he's he's glowing. Like he's doing the yes chants. Oh, yeah. His, Everybody in the crowd is doing the yes chant. His chant is yes, which is great. Very simple. One syllable, three letters. Very easy to memorize. Um, <laughs> and he has um, we didn't talk about this, but their entrances. So Daniel Bryan comes out first and he's wearing a shirt that says the beard is here and it's pointing <laughs> up at him because he has a big scraggly beard. They're making jokes constantly in WWE at this point that Daniel Bryan looks like a goat and he's like yeah I am the goat greatest of all time like it's a good (laughs) it's a good little bit but he does kind of look like a goat man and so that shirt is a takeoff of John Cena's shirt which says the champ is here and is pointing down at the belt so I just like that they come out with that like John Cena kind of big baby face guy and then Daniel Bryan irreverent uh kind of counterculture-y yeah you know and it, and it helps that he's like known as like he's the guy from the indie scene you know yeah. he's not a WWE product he came in already kind of yeah that's John Cena was he ever in the indies I don't know if he was it was not for long he was not yeah. known we'll find this out on future episodes <laughs> stay tuned uh, those, those entrances are really fun because it also shows that these are two men who are willing to play into this game. It, it kind of sets you up of like, oh, this might be kind of a gimmicky match because they're wearing these opposing T-shirts and stuff. They're playing the crowd really well. You think it's going to be fun. And then it just takes this turn into a pretty brutal fight. Yeah. Um, because all of the fights were brutal, it's not the most brutal <laughs> of any that we see. But I mean, it's like I like we said, you see a shiner develop in real time. Yeah. I don't want to overuse that word, but <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty rough to see that black eye happening. My favorite moment in this match, I think, as far as the wrestling goes, was um, there's a part where Daniel has John Cena up on the top turnbuckle and he goes to superplex him, which is when you do the suplex off the top rope. Yeah. And he hangs on. Yeah. And he... So... He does the superplex to Cena, but he's hooked his legs on the ropes so that he doesn't absorb the impact of the fall. Yes. Which is so smart. Like, it's, again, just superplex, it's extremely cool, but it's not like a flashy move. It's a pretty, as far as top rope moves go, it's pretty basic. Yeah. But that he's able to execute it so thoughtfully where he's protecting himself and only hurting his opponent. Because I think a lot of the disbelief from pro wrestling comes from the fact that, like, wait, doesn't that hurt you just as much as it hurts the other guy? Like, hold on. And so, like, stuff like that, I think, it's just getting the little details right, and I just thought that was a really cool moment. I think that it's then immediately followed by him absorbing the entirety of a bump onto his own goddamn head. When when was that? Because it's when he, Cena is sitting on top of the rope, Daniel is upside down, and he, uh, I don't know the exact term for the move, but John hooks him, yeah. and he jumps off of it, and you just see Daniel Bryan take the entirety of the hit on the top of his skull, mm-hmm. which is hanging upside down, and it's like, knowing what you know, you're like, Daniel, what are Stop you doing? It. Yeah. I also, 
because he has, you know, a, an apparent history of CTE, which is now deleted and doesn't exist, is that d- when you see him pumping himself up, he does it by shaking his head very yeah. violently. And like, I don't know, Daniel Bryan just gave himself shaken baby <laughs> syndrome at 32. Yeah, how he's, old he is. that's the real problem is he gets it's it's a, again, like sort of this Christ like thing of this Christ like thing of um the people giving him the power to go on and he's getting charged up as they're chanting they're yes 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 giving him back the loaves and fishes yeah like he's just like that his, doesn't happen in the bible no, his battery is i was trying to improv with you um, his his battery is getting charged up by everybody chanting and then he's nodding his head and everything but we're just like yeah you're shaking your brain around stop doing that you just landed on your head like don't shake your brain around so much i like i don't actually know how those work but we we just kept saying like he he takes a major bump to the head and then his head gets squeezed and like I know that's not how <laughs> concussions work but it can't be helping it's probably not good it's, we're, the me, the medium take is probably not good probably not great <laughs> but yeah so this match happens and then at the end um we get another turn because Randy Orton comes out with the money in the bank suitcase I don't actually know what that is. Okay, so what that is is <laughs> I should have asked earlier. There's a pay-per-view every year called Money in the Bank and mm-hmm. it's a ladder match and there's the suitcases on the top and they have to climb up the ladder and grab the suitcase. So it's kind of like a game show. Yeah, it's like deal or no deal but crazy. <laughs> and w- basically the the suitcase has a contract in it where you get a shot at the championship and you can cash it in at any time. I like that it's also kind of a shitty looking suitcase with yeah. a sticker on it. Like yeah. they definitely bought the suitcase in the clearance section of Burlington Coat Factory because they needed like a hard top a hard top laptop case for going on a plane. This is my thought. And they're flying Spirit Airlines specifically. <laughs> this is my thought. I think it looks like that so they can sell children's lunch boxes of it. That's you my thought. You understand <laughs> capitalism so well. <laughs> That's my theory. Do they sell children's lunch boxes like that? Oh yeah. They oh, I know they still sell children's lunchboxes. I just didn't even think of it. That makes so much more I'm sense. Gu- I'm guessing. I'm, that's just my guess. I, I have not looked at the children's lunchbox selection, but WWE, if you're listening and you don't sell that, you really should. Um, make some money, WWE. Yeah. Learn marketing. <laughs> my God. Uh, so he brings out the... So thank you for explaining that. Yeah, uh, so that's what happens is it's a, it's you can cash it in at any time. So it's used... It's a fun sort of wild card because they can do it whenever and it's often used in things like this where someone has just wrestled and they're super beat up and then somebody will come out with a suitcase pin the guy and win it's a fun yeah that's a fun cheat card yeah it's a good like it's good to give it to sort of a heel it's very good deus ex yes yes so that common shorthand that yeah. they use but i actually do use deus ex all the time because it's wants- a known thing yeah you know uh so they do that uh he comes out with the with a contract but then he doesn't really give it to him he like kind of dangles it he sort of teases it then yeah. he walks away then the yes chant starts back up and randy orton's like no, I'm I'm doing I'm fucking doing this. So he starts walking toward the ring, and then Triple H, who is the guest referee in this match, mm-hmm. who has just been holding up Daniel Bryan's hand as the champ, yeah, uh, pedigrees him, which is a, Triple H's finishing move. That thing where he like sort of locks under his elbows and then oh, so slams you him on his kept face. saying pedigree, and I thought that was just like your shorthand for he's not the right pedigree for WWE's leading man. <laughs> Because it made sense. I mean, that's 
that's like kind of why it's called the pedigree i think is because like that's sort of triple h's like gimmick is that he's like a a company man he's the uh, he's like a hotshot ceo there's guy such, like it's just all banksy level metaphor and i love <laughs> it because it's really easy for me to feel smart about um <laughs> but yeah but I, the entire time you were like oh he's pedigreeing him and i was like oh i guess that's just a thing that they do in wrestling <laughs> which it is in broad terms a thing that is done in it's wrestling. true it's true but my interpretation Seth Rollins does it now my interpretation was way different i was like oh, he's, oh yeah i guess pedigreeing is when you kind of like kill the horse so because you don't want him to be you don't want him to win the derby yeah uh, and he does I'm not exactly wrong yeah no that's I mean that's kind of what it's for so yeah he I'm gives always so close but wrong I love no, it I, that's a really interesting interpretation I feel like I never really thought about what that move was why that move was called that and you got it I think you're right I'm so smart <laughs> yeah. Uh. but yeah so Triple H turns on him and uh, after after guest refereeing this this uh match and randy orton comes in and pins him and he wins and he so daniel bryan had the belt for all of 30 seconds before the new champ randy orton comes out and the crowd hates him and the crowd hates him everybody's booing um because daniel bryan is already super over at this point and this sort of sets off this story that leads us to the next matches we watch so basically triple h and stephanie mcmahon who are a couple um, who are then known as the authority because they're, again, driving home this thing of like, they're the company people. They're, you know, they're in charge. They're the district managers. They're the district managers. And it helps that Stephanie McMahon dresses like the district manager of oh. Charlotte Roos. We we will get into what she's wearing at Mania because so it is bad. fucking crazy. <laughs> but so Triple H basically says, look, I, I did turn heel on him, but it's because... He is not what WWE needs. He's I'm not. doing this for the company. Wink, wink. The pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> he's not the pedigree. He's There's a really funny shot in the promo package for WrestleMania that we watched, which is an in-ring promo between Stephanie McMahon and Daniel Bryan, where she just goes, what are you, like 5'8"? <laughs> And that just says it all. It's Daniel Bryan is like the body positive uh, wrestling champion. And I think that's why he's so beloved among wrestling fans who tend to have, uh, let's say, non-standard body types. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like all bodies are good bodies. Of course. None of the bodies in WWE are goddamn standard. Look at them. Uh, but I definitely get what you're saying. Um <laughs> It's like we talked about on our last episode about why people like Kevin Owens. Obviously, Daniel Bryan is a very different look. It's a lot. It's a lot more like again, like Johnny Gargano. Like yeah, he's small, and small wrestlers lend themselves to this sort of scrappy underdog story. Um, but it's also super interesting to me that this is the story they tell because this is such a meta commentary on wwe and on wrestling in general because for this plot to make sense you have to acknowledge that wrestling is decided in advance you know yeah which is very interesting to me yeah and you and i kind of had a split in opinion about this when we were watching the match together which is that i said i was kind of impressed i what i said is i was kind of impressed by how cynical it was for them to do this storyline and acknowledge that they're evil while still cashing in and you were like I think it's kind of I, I forget your exact words but you were like I think it's kind of cool that they did that and we both agree it's just slightly different takes on it yeah so the thing we were watching about when we talked about this was the Occupy 
the Occupy Raw promos. Yes. And so, as you very eloquently put it, an example of how behind the times WWE is, is that it was an Occupy uh, bit in 2014, like yeah. three years afterward, <laughs> as usual. Yeah. I actually don't know. Was Occupy 2010 or 2011? I think 20, I think 2010 into 2011, like yeah. December 2010. That was it. Yep. Yeah, so just that they're doing a sort of Occupy, it's not even a parody or anything, it doesn't really reference anything, but it uses that terminology and is clearly evocative of that. Again, in the sense of Daniel Bryan as populist hero. Yes. Because he, yes. he brings in all of these fans into the ring, and Rachel, you made a really good point of like the the, the specific type of people that are in the ring is oh, very interesting. There's very much there's like there's a big guy, there's like a like a teenage dorky looking uh, black kid. Um, there's a bunch of women and the, at the top of the ring. It's most it's mostly men, but like I mean it's WWE, but it's not it's not beautiful people in the way that we talk about right. the famous beautiful people. It's they clearly very, very much the common man. I would I will never see it. I'll never know. I would be fascinated to learn how they cast them and how they got these people. Yeah. If they got them day of and that's actually indicative of what a WWE crowd looks like or if they put out a casting call or if it was central casting like because you know because Nate got that uh, central casting thing to be a standard for the Miz. Right. Like I want to know how it was put together because it's perfectly executed. Well it's interesting because you know we've both been around entertainment and stuff and a lot of times on like late night talk shows or whatever they like pick the pretty people to sit in the front Mm -hmm. and clearly that is not what happened here just based on the fact that like there were old people there there were you know it was it was a very interesting mix of people and i think again that drives home this point of daniel bryan is of the people and triple h and stephanie mcmahon are trying to keep the people down yeah and yeah, so you were saying your initial response was, this is so cynical of them. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, this is insanely cynical. By the way, I always had a uh, suspicions that they put the pity, pretty people in the final ta- tapings of shows. I didn't actually have that confirmed right now, which means that my glow up existed between when I was seated in the exact back row at The Daily Show <laughs> and then I was on camera when I went to Seth Meyers a few years nice. ago. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> They don't, al- they don't always do it, but I'm some, hot now. some of them do. I'm hot now. I will let you, yeah. I just don't want you to think you weren't hot before, because they don't always do that. I was pretty greasy the day I went to the Daily Show. Like, fair I'm enough, self-aware. Um, and, like, the day I went to a taping of Seth Meyers, because the Mountain Goats were there, I, like, you know, bought a dress at H&M, like, 20 minutes before and ran there, because I got tickets last minute, because um, I'm normal. Uh, <laughs> but they, they have this populist thing. There's this great back and forth. He's wearing the yes shirts. Is that when they say yes splania or yes mania? Wow, I did it again. <laughs> it's yeslemania. Yeslemania. I almost called it yes no, splania. They do that at uh, uh, at WrestleMania. They do that. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Uh, so they set this up, this great thing, and they're basically we were laughing pretty hard about the fact that. Uh, Triple H was like, "Bring in security," because it's like <laughs> you're at a wrestling match, like. They, there, there's no security guard that's going to be bigger. And if a security guard can beat a wrestler, then I don't know. Maybe, maybe the wrestler should, sucks. Maybe this should switch roles. Uh, <laughs> well, that 
and then that was fun because then I got to explain to Rachel the mystery of Goldberg's security detail. <laughs> Are they protecting everyone else from Goldberg or does Goldberg need protection? And if Goldberg needs protection, why is he scary? <laughs> That's uh, all I'm wondering. For people who don't know, Goldberg, <laughs> as Cass told me, enters with security detail. Yeah. But he's like this big lunk of a dude because yeah. he's a wrestler. Why does he need a security detail? I don't understand. Anyway, that's a whole other episode. Um, but yeah, so he he gets uh, he does this promo and um, Triple H. Ultimately, the security guards turn on him and drag him away. Which is, as we were saying, kind of an own on Triple H that he got dragged away by. Also, I mean, two not, not didn't look great super built shape. They're just physically large, bald men in yeah. suits. They looked looked official. They didn't necessarily look intimidating. They looked official in the way like the manager of a mall cop looks official. Yes, they looked like mall cops. That is 100% (laughs) what they look like. (laughs) But guys who have been on the job for a few years, not the new mall cops who are just like also in the ROTC and going to the (laughs) local community college. Am I projecting my experience again? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So the thing that he's asking for in this promo is he wants to wrestle Triple H at WrestleMania. He's like, you've been you've been interfering with my matches, and we didn't watch a lot of these, but I had Rachel read about them. Uh, he Daniel Bryan wins against Orton and then gets stripped of the title because the ref made a fast count. Um, there's a thing where, like, security comes because he attacks... Fast count is, like, really funny bullshit because, <laughs> like, the refs will have, like, a one... To sort of count when you know you, the the match is going the way they want it to go. So that's insanely funny. Yeah. So there's a fast count. There's like a bunch of stuff that he interferes with. So he's basically like, stop fucking with me. I want to fight you. This is bullshit. Yeah. Can't say all that because it's on television. But so that happens. And then he said, Triple H is fine with it. And then he says, uh, that's not all I want. I want a shot at the title again. I want to be put into the main event, which at this point is Randy Orton and Batista. Yeah. And Triple H says, if you can beat me, then you can be in the main event. So technically, so if all goes according to plan, Daniel Bryan will have to wrestle twice at WrestleMania, beat Dave Batista and Randy Orton, who are like who, quote unquote, the company wants to be the face of the face of the company because they're big and strong and angry and have uh, big mean brow ridges and don't look like weird little goat men. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like, Daniel Bryan has so much heart. I didn't know he was 5'8 until Stephanie McMahon said so. Yeah, yeah. I just, that's so classic. Short people can have heart. Is But, like, you know <laughs> what I mean? I'm just kind of like, wow, I didn't even think about his height because he's just, his presence fills the room so much. He doesn't read as little the way, like, Johnny Gargano reads as little to me. Because Johnny I mean, Gargano is probably self-conscious about being little. <laughs> maybe. I don't know what it is. But I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think of him as like super small. He's clearly small when he's going against Batista and uh, Orton, who are both big. Yeah, but um, Batista's yeah. probably like what six five. I don't know. That's a good question. He's tall. I know that because I've seen him big, in, like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. They're both big tree trunks yeah. uh, of men, and they look alike. Yeah. So we were saying. <laughs> <clears throat> so now let's f- flash forward. Now that we know the story of. 
Daniel Bryan is fighting for this championship. They don't want him to be the face of the company because he's a weird little goat man. Now we're at WrestleMania. He's Mr. Tumnus without the weird imprinting on a child. That's what he is. And when I said that earlier, you were like, what is that? And I was like, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I could hear your inner monologue being like, you fucking nerd. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. I completely know who that is. I just didn't know his name. I get it. I'm very familiar with Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. I just don't know his name. When I first saw Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe... I've never seen the movie. I've just read the books. When I uh, when I first saw the movie, I remember being like, why am I attracted to the goat man? This is <laughs> fucked up. And I was a teen. Like, it's perfectly okay to be attracted to the goat man when you're a teenager. <laughs> like, that's what fanfic is for. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I was just like the little goat man. Uh, so, there are these. Th- he's ready to fight them. Oh, wait, no. He has to fight Triple H first. Yeah, so that's where we're at. The beginning of WrestleMania, first match, Triple H versus Daniel Bryan. And we were talking earlier about how Daniel Bryan is very Christ-like. And I think that this, the spectacle of this match is so steeped in that. Yeah, we were watching it. And we should really just start getting like a blank video recording of me watching these things. Because (laughs) I'm just, I was just sitting there yelling like, this is the Illuminati. This is the Illuminati. Over and over again. Because Triple H's entrance during that, is that his entrance every time? No. That's his, a special, like, WrestleMania thing. His entrance is insane because it's just... The first thing you see is the fog bank and the silhouette of, like, a beautiful Grecian female body with, on the edge of, like, what is maybe... I don't know. It looks like a jacuzzi is being pushed down on stage, but it's just, <laughs> like, this weird gaudy throne. Mm-hmm. He's in this big gold mask. It has an iron cross on it. Iron cross. It's like a crusade's helmet, kind of. He's got like red eyes glowing from it. A crusade helmet is a great comparison to just to go with sort of like you know Pontius because you 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 put it perfectly. He's Pontius Pilate. Yeah. So Daniel Bryan is Christ and Triple H is Pontius Pilate, and he's persecuting (sighs) him. And (sighs) the fact that he's coming out in this gaudy, uh, super. gold dripping like it just speaks to all of sort of the secular excess yes and And daniel bryan is covered in tape too not yet no he he gets no 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 oh you're right i'm sorry i don't think he is no he is i'm sorry he's covered in tape no because i remember he's covered in tape yeah because triple h's hands are and triple h's hands are covered in tape and daniel bryan's shoulders and part of his collarbone are covered in tape um, which again lends we we're gonna go back to the Christ thing because the way Daniel Bryan's body is naturally shaped, he kind of has the perfect point in his ribs to be <laughs> stabbed where Jesus was. <laughs> so he looks like Jesus with his clothes torn asunder. He even has the same like in the traditional portraits of white Jesus that we see everywhere. He kind of has like the same wave going in his hair. Yeah, I mean the he's same middle part. Long hair, beard, middle part um, for sure. That Jesus nose. Jesus mm-hmm. has like a very specific nose in a lot of those portraits. Uh, and Daniel Bryan has the same nose. And there's an incredible shot after Triple H makes his entrance where I made Catherine wind it. And this is where we really got on this tip. Uh, where you see Daniel Bryan is in the le- the right third quadrant of the screen, and over the sho- shoulder, the ultimate relic of the WrestleMania of like the WWE universe, instead of a cross, is the WrestleMania sign. Right, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but the WrestleMania sign as religious icon is so baked into all of this stuff, and it's so interesting the way it is revered and uh 
referenced and gestured to it's so laden with symbolism yeah you have fake fighters pointing at a sign like there's so many reference like it's so removed from anything it's all significated and it's it's the only thing that is like that in sort of judeo-christian western culture is the cross so it's having yeah daniel bryan silhouetted against uh, a backdrop of the wrestlemania sign like the same sort of three-quarter profile a portrait of Jesus with a cross over his shoulder and it's the exact same thing it's in and I know there's I see a lot of complaints about the way uh, WWE shot but I have to say like for something that is often lacking in art direction according to fans that I'm friends with this is an incredible moment of art direction yeah they really get a few cinematic moments right I think a lot of the criticism of the camera work is more how they film the actual wrestling yeah because they use so many cuts and they there's so much um like snap zoom and it doesn't it this the way i put it is that they shoot and cut the wrestling as if it is an action movie as opposed to as if it is a boxing match i can't wait for them to watch true detective in like a year and try to adopt the true detective (laughs) aesthetic (laughs) yeah but you're completely correct and like i absolutely understand and agree with that but it's just an incredible moment absolutely um and so he's just he's already got this big populist thing going he has been crucified so many times and he comes back every time it's like it's like a stone cold steve austin the same thing who doesn't hate their boss you know (laughs) it's the perfect like every man type of thing and steve austin was sort of one avatar of the working man yeah i think daniel bryan is another avatar of the working man so yeah he has this match against triple h uh it's great they both wail on each other a lot um Daniel Bryan again his arm and his shoulder are taped up Triple H is stomping on it he He takes so many stupid bumps we both get stressed out (laughs) yeah I don't think I I think they I don't necessarily think that he takes bumps that I would notice as being reckless if I didn't know that he had that's fair a brain lesion and seizures (laughs) the seizures thing is crazy um, just because seizures are really scary. Have you ever seen yeah, a person have a seizure? It's really scary. Yeah. My one stepsister has epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And I was there when we first kind of like clued into it. And we're because she just while she was doing yeah, math it's homework, really, really scary. It's terrifying. You can have like one is scary enough to scare a parent for the rest of their life. Like, yeah. I know this because when I was three, I had one. And if my mom fills out a medical form to this day about me, she includes that yeah. I had a seizure once because I had a really high fever. Yeah. Like I don't have epilepsy. Right. It's just, but it's so I had a fever and I was little. It made such an impression on her because it's, it's so scary. Terrifying, you know. So uh, Dana Bryan wins and then Triple H hits him in the head with a chair. Thanks. Yeah, which, <laughs> great. Um, so good. <laughs> I'm so glad he took one more hit. To the dome. <laughs> to but, the beautiful Christ-like dome <laughs> that also looks like a goat. But again, it's it's setting the stage for this main event, which is like, yeah, he beat Triple H and everyone's really excited, um, but the cards are still stacked against this guy. Yeah. He, unlike the other two guys in the main event, he's already wrestled that night. Yeah. He's gotten his injured shoulder stomped on. He's gotten hit in the head with a chair. Triple H is still 
gonna do some shady shit and yeah. he turns out he does so that's so like him uh, <laughs> so yeah we were also talking about the difference between because really early on when we first started watching stuff for this I was I remember being very horrified because we watched an Adam Cole Alistair Black match that is just horrible it's just like a really brutal match yeah, it was the um, NXT I yeah believe. it was the extreme rules match from NXT TakeOver Philadelphia um <laughs> I love that you know. I love it. I love it. Um, and then the next night, Adam Cole is in the Rumble, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's wrestling the next night!" And I remember we were. I was really impressed when we saw Matt Riddle because he had taken a huge uh, hit from Keith Lee the night before, and we. She was. You were like, "He's doing that in the same night," and I was like, "At that point." you're kind of running on adrenaline so it might not be as traumatizing you hurt more later obviously but i mean it's just we don't we there's no way for us to say but it's still just kind of nuts to think about yeah and i but i think like i'm just talking like in kayfabe it's yeah. like he already wrestled yeah and he's been injured he's been stepped on <sighs> by triple h and now he's wrestling against two guys who are fresh. So it's two again guys who are fresh and huge and huge. Yeah. And huge. And as we were saying, uh, Orton and Batista basically look like the same dude. If you just stro- if you mess with the aspect ratio of Randy Orton, you get Dave Batista. It's like <laughs> you just have to make him a little wider. And then it's and Dave a little Batista. more. I think we said a bull terrier is yes. what Dave Batista looks like. Mm-hmm. He looks like a bull terrier, but he has like a little bit of like a pug turn on his nose. <laughs> it's not a severe pug turn. It's just like a mild one. This was also fun for me because I knew who Dave Batista was because, you know, everyone goes to see Marvel movies. I had never seen him wrestle before. Mm-hmm. So this was really great because he's not covered in the Drax uh, body paint. So I can see all of his bad tattoos, <laughs> yep. which are fantastic. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of between him and Orton, just like some real shitty tattoos in this uh, match. Uh, and like Randy Orton is hard for us because there's certain wrestlers, and we're going to approach this topic more and more as as I as we both have more of the language to do so. There's a, a big elephant in the room for us as like ostensible leftists is that it's kind of hard to deal with the fact that some of these guys have really shitty politics mm-hmm. and there's certain guys who are so good at their jobs that you can kind of like let it go for the the match and enjoy them for their performance and then go back to being like yeah, you know but he voted for trump randy orton is really a good wrestler but he just doesn't have the stage presence for me to not be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's technically really, really good at wrestling. Like he's, he's so. It's this is the thing that people always say about Randy Orton is he doesn't ever seem like he's trying. And part of that is because he's really good and he makes it look easy. Yeah. But part of it is also because it doesn't seem like he's fucking trying. <laughs> like, well, he just doesn't have presence. Yeah, he doesn't is, have. When you're talking about like contrasting him with Daniel Bryan, who is all heart, all all fire, yeah, you don't see that with Randy Orton. Like yeah. I never feel that way about him. I never feel like he wants to win. And it's a big question for me that I have of like, is this me projecting that I don't like his politics? But that's not true because. Oh, who is it? You really AJ Styles allegedly doesn't have the best politics. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love watching him. Right, which you know. A couple people are gonna. If a couple people hear about this, you know, I'm the worst socialist alive and whatever. <laughs> but it's what? Who cares? Um, <laughs> but they they come out. It's 
and it's them versus Daniel Bryan, and then it's just immediate brawl. Well, the thing that I think is interesting, we're talking about how Randy Orton doesn't really do it for us. It's amazing to listen to the crowd in this match because when Daniel Bryan is not involved in this match, the crowd is dead. The crowd when, is is dead, and they're also sitting down. Yeah, they stand up for him when he's not in. They all sit down and rest their legs, and that may be because it's the end of the match and they've been standing the whole time. But you know, you there should be so much energy and adrenaline in that room, and it yeah, just it's the main zips event. out, and it's. It's so crazy how quiet it gets. And some of it, especially later, because there's a big spot where um, Batista uh, power bombs and then Randy Orton RKO's Daniel Bryan through the announce table. And Daniel Bryan is then put on a stretcher. <laughs> and it's so quiet. And part of it is stress and concern because he's their hero. And he's, again, it's the fucking three days he he's been crucified he's been thrown into this announce table and then he's he's he has died and everybody's so quiet and then he rises again he's like no you can't make me go to the hospital which again is very foreboding knowing what actually ends up happening yeah these this entire arc is so interesting because there's a lot of sort of kayfabe and like oh this isn't what wrestling is actually like this is what it's really like this blurs the lines of it so much down to the stretcher and the medical attendants come out and I was like Kat is this a work and you were like yes <laughs> I had to be told um, I was like they would be the people the medical staff would be running to him if it were real and they're going a little slow again I have to <laughs> hand it to them I would have loved it if they had leaned into it being fake and gotten set like some medical staff hotties <laughs> like do a tie-in give me some Grey's they, Anatomy cast members they honestly if you look you might be able to see some because a lot of times for those types of jobs they use wrestlers so like um no there was like a pretty like wireframe glasses doughy looking dude yeah which is why i was like oh shit he's actually <laughs> fucked up but yeah um so triple h comes out again with stephanie and i think at this point i really want to I, I just want to hear you talk about stephanie's outfit because it's ridiculous stephanie <laughs> is dressed like uh the district manager of a wet seal <laughs> Charlotte Roos is a little different. The manager of a Charlotte Roos was Emma Stone's look at the Oscars. Um, it's specifically a wet seal. Okay. She's in atrocious looking platform heels, leather shorts, this choker that looks like somebody tried to recreate a vagina with pleather. Like yeah. it just looks like a labia on her neck. Yeah. Um, and she's wearing this blazer with these giant like Klaus Nomi yeah tacos cover of putting on the Ritz level lapel like, like she, she looks was, you were like she looks like she's about, to, she's about to tap dance yeah she looks like she's about to tap dance she looks like she just went to wet seal and was like give me the magician I want <laughs> whatever a magician would wear can you make it a little phantom of the opera yeah. in the sleeves yeah because the sleeves are roughly there's ruffle sleeves it's a mess on a blazer uh she's got she could snap anyone's neck with her legs. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. She's got insanely worked out legs. And like, you know, show them off however you want to show them off. Like, I am bad outfit positive. Do your thing, <laughs> Stephanie. You have terrible fashion. But it's just, I, we couldn't stop going back to how bad her outfit was. It was really, it was like distractingly bad. <laughs> 
it was rough. Like I, you can tell she picked it out herself too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nobody God. tells her how to dress. She she gets to decide. Somebody should tell her how to dress. <laughs> She's it's not great at awful. it. Oh my God. So they they Ronda Rousey dresses better than her. <laughs> <laughs> so Triple H and Seventy come out uh, and again pulling dirty tricks they bring out their ringer ref triple h this is a no dq match so triple h pedigrees the ref which is hilarious because it's like again your boss just attacking you that's not allowed so he and then he brings out his own ref who has interfered in daniel bryan's matches in the past so the the ringer ref uh tries to tries to interfere it doesn't work they leave then daniel bryan goes through the announce table it's like this dude is, he was literally, he gets off the stretcher and is crawling back to the ring. Yeah, and I don't remember the exact trajectory, but there's a point where they brought in the ringer ref and Daniel kicks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, they they really go out of their way and they put a lot of love into the storyline of how just like they're doing everything they can to show to you that this man is fighting for this. This man is putting everything he has in. Uh, I really expected him to, because they put him in a neck brace at one point, I expected him to come back into the ring into an, in a neck brace and just like <laughs> rip it off and start screaming. Uh, which, again, I'm just going to say, hire me as a writer. I have good <laughs> ideas. <laughs> the thing I think... Can you imagine like a neck brace that's like a pull-away like pants for a male stripper? <laughs> you know, there's a wrestler in New Japan who has tearaway pants that does it as a spot. I can't believe there's only one wrestler that does tearaway <laughs> pants as a spot. That seems like a really obvious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> More people should do it. It's More fun. strippers in wrestling. More strippers in wrestling. Yeah. I feel Definitely. like they would legitimate. I feel like I think there is a really like through line to what you have to do in your job as a stripper yeah. and what you have to do in your job as a wrestler. Oh, no question. They are both work. And no question. Both people who go into either lines are like, in, like to be good at your job, you have to be incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely very, very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I think makes this story work is that it is so it is so simple it is so easily understandable it is so easily relatable everything that happens in the ring from the john cena SummerSlam match through to this main event serves the story and i think a lot of times in wwe they are not great at doing that they get sidetracked or they get things get paced weirdly and a lot of it is not their fault sometimes people get injured and they have to sort of they, they have to work around actual real life and everything but this story is just so elementally what wrestling is about and I think it's very interesting that WWE allowed this story to be told this way because I don't know if they would necessarily do this now and I don't know if they necessarily would have done this if fans didn't respond so overwhelmingly positively Mm -hmm. to Daniel Bryan. Like this was a story that was written because of how over he was. It wasn't a story that got him over. You know what I mean? Which I think is really interesting and I... I Anyway, sorry. I, I was going to segue into what's happening now, but we should talk about the end of the match. So. Oh, that's true. And the end of the match is who does he take? He takes out Orton and then Batista, right? He makes Batista tap. Oh, that's it. Oh, God. And like, I always, it's got to be really hard to write and plan a tap, right? Because you always want this grand finish, finish of he has defeated him. 
no matter if they are the face or the heel or something in between, every single performer wants to end victoriously. And ending with a tap feels like kind of like you don't you're you're a coward yeah so it's a very um they talk a lot about like quote-unquote protecting people and like protecting finishers and protecting wrestlers and um having somebody tap out is like probably the weakest way that you can lose a match yeah um getting pinned i mean also like losing doesn't make you look strong Mm -hmm. but tapping like there's sort of a uh I feel like the rule of threes of wrestling yeah. is uh faces don't tap. Yeah. You know, like a Daniel Bryan doesn't tap because his whole thing is that he never gives up. So Dan- like your Johnny Gargano does not does tap. Does not tap. John Cena does not tap, I don't think. Or so dep- depends. But by the way, you kept saying protected and I was like this close to being like, Do you have stairs in your house? Which is how you know I came from the internet. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh so they don't tap. They just they but so it's gotta I just gotta be really hard to write that and write that in a way that is serviceable to the audience and the performer mm-hmm. um so I think it's very very interesting that he tapped but they they kept sort of hinting at it as sort of like the Chekhov element because there was no there was no table or chairs or anything like that there's the announce table there's an announce table but like that wasn't a setup that wasn't yeah. like somebody setting up it wasn't a, table. a death match or anything yeah, yeah. it's so they keep hinting towards it in the narrative of all of these matches that I watched. Mm. So maybe that's my specific perspective, but they have in the him and Cena match, neither of them tapped and they kept hinting at them tapping and they, they, you, whether or not you engineered this really well because they keep mentioning, is he going to tap? Is he going to tap? And in the final match, there is a tap. There hasn't been one in any of the ones that I've seen. And I think it um, plays to Daniel Bryan's sort of unique style in the in contrast to Batista and Orton because Batista and Orton are are they wrestle like big men they do a lot of power slams yeah. they, they are throwing people into the ring like they're doing the RKO which is like they slam you know Randy Orton slams Daniel Bryan's head down into the mat whereas Daniel Bryan again you got John Cena the entertainer you got Daniel Bryan the wrestler Daniel Bryan is a wrestler he is a submission specialist he yeah. He puts people in holds and he makes them tap. So he's again like sort of this traditional, like not showy, tough guy. And that's how it ends is he makes him tap. And it's again, yeah, it it's a weak way to lose, but it's also the strongest way to win. It's strong for that storyline too, because a tap uh it, like a tap is way more of a submission and admittance to being in this sort of society and being accepted into your role in this company. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's very interesting as well that cuz I think there's something very specific and very beautiful about the tap. Uh so that's what I had to say on that and I don't have any way to finish that. <laughs> um well yeah, so it ends with what a lot of uh wrestling fans who were watching at this time think is the biggest moment for them, their biggest memory, their biggest, um, the, the, the time when they like mark out the most is yeah. when Daniel Bryan finally, after eight months of being fucked with and yeah. being interfered with and being held back, he finally gets the title and confetti falls and he's crying and it's a little blonde girl enters the (laughs) ring and hugs him we think it was his niece yeah we we couldn't figure out who that was but it's extremely cute and 
everybody in the crowd is doing the yes chant. Yeah. It's so, like I said, when he wasn't in this match, it was silent. Everybody in that arena wanted him to win. Mm-hmm. And that is so rare in wrestling today mm-hmm. because of how smarky everybody is. Yeah. So it's just a huge moment. And it's, again... It's interesting to watch in retrospect because I feel like if I were watching this at the time, my takeaway would be this is a new era in WWE. This is going to change how this company views their champions and it's going to open up the playing field and we're not just going to get a bunch of guys that all look the same as the face of the company. That didn't actually really end up happening. (laughs) I think there's it's way more gradual changes in WWE and it's never... Like, I just want to get out ahead of this now, and anybody, in case anybody thinks I'm saying this, I don't think WWE is ever going to be, like, you know, this perfect, perfect progressive leftist company. Mm. I'm not stupid. Like, I know who runs it. I know the roots of this. We've talked about the roots of this. But I do think that change is gradually happening, because we have... And if I have my timelines wrong, I'm sorry. We have Daniel Bryan. We have The New Day. We have... uh, Who's another good one? We have Nakamura. Who? Nia Jax. No, we have Nia Jax. Like it it's lame because every other indie outfit has been doing this better and for longer, but I mean you do see that pr- change kind of gradually happening. I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I, I want I, it to I want to like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I just I think at the time I probably would have viewed this as more of a sea change. I think a good analogy is like, this is like Obama getting elected in 2008. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, finally, it's over. And it's like, it's not really, it's over. Not really over. I think it's probably the <laughs> Occupy thing is probably really, really apt then because I remember yeah. when Occupy started, we were like, this is it. And yeah. like, you know, a couple years later, Occupy's effects are still happening and they're happening in a really positive light but it's taking way longer than anybody expected it's not yeah that wasn't the that wasn't the thing that that made it happen i know political change doesn't happen overnight and apparently it doesn't happen in wrestling either (laughs) uh newsflash so (laughs) so now like uh, uh maybe a year after this is when daniel bryan announced his retirement um and we were talking about this too and i want to make sure we get this on mic uh, he is his retirement had to happen not because he was having seizures, but because he told WWE that he was having seizures. Yeah, and that's a major difference. Yeah, so we're you know I obviously I have some mixed feelings about him coming back because I find it hard to buy that he's okay. I <laughs> basically what was happening was his contract was going to be up, and the question was. Basically, if he if WWE doesn't let him wrestle, he's not going to renew his contract and he will go wrestle somewhere else because that is what he wants to do. Yeah. And WWE's doctors, if they don't clear him, WWE is losing him. And it seems like, well, WWE didn't want to lose that cash cow because people love Daniel Bryan. So we're going to find a way to clear him. (sighs) That said, I don't think they would do it if he if he was really, really bad, because then they would open themselves up to a lawsuit. But I'm skeptical. Yeah. That said, <laughs> the, like that said, this man will die doing what he loves, and that again, it it goes into this whole character narrative. But it's clearly who he is as a person too. It's kind of insane that the the Undertaker's entire body hasn't exploded either. <laughs> so, but it's still it is very scary, and I think it's also very scary because CTE is much more at the forefront of everybody's thinking about high contact sports and sports entertainment now yeah um it's 
I'm very interested to see how he's going to fight. I think the fighting style is definitely going to change. Well, he's not going to do that diving headbutt anymore. That's no. for sure. There's, I hope so. Anyway, I hope not. I will. I'm lying if I say I like. Oh, I wouldn't like that. Like, because I fucking love it. Because it's great <laughs> entertainment. But I do think it is very scary to think about. Yeah, and uh, I yeah, I just have mixed feelings about it because I. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about it, but I think the reason I have mixed feelings about it is not because of Daniel Bryan, but because it forces me as a fan to reckon with the fact that this thing that I love to watch really hurts people and destroys the people who perform it for me. And so it's hard for me to be judgmental of him or to be judgmental of WWE. It's more just forcing me to confront this tension that is sort of at the heart of enjoying this. And interesting thing is like we said it's not because he had seizures it's because he told wwe about the seizures and i was talking about this online the other day and somebody pointed out like yeah he probably will die in a wrestling ring but also i bet the majority of performers couldn't pass a neurological wellness test either so i think it's also maybe this is a little naive of me i you you have a lot of since daniel bryan operates under the secret probably (laughs) uh you have a lot of choices in life and i think for a lot of these guys, there's a sort of weird honor to dying in the ring. Absolutely. And like, you know, I mean, I don't want them to. That's This is not the outcome I want. The, but there is a weird sort of, you know, I am making this choice. If I die in the ring, I die doing what I love. Wrestling is a death cult. I oh. want to get that out. <laughs> like, I don't know if we've talked about that specifically on this so podcast that's yet. Actually, that ties into Jesus. <laughs> this absolutely ties into Jesus. Absolutely. Daniel Bryan is the patron saint of this death cult. Yes. Well, I don't know. We don't want to talk about who the who the patron saints are because then it verges into very problematic and sad territory very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the the iconography of the the death cult is the WrestleMania sign. Yeah, there we go. We tied it together. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I think part of that is this is wrestling is an a celebration of mortality. Like that is what it is, and because Ooh. of that, people who do it make this bargain and you know we all are people with free will and if this is what you want to do then this is what you want to do wwe was giving him a job not wrestling it's not like he was it's not like he's making this decision financially he was doing fine yeah he wants to wrestle and daniel it's a really beautiful story i can't believe we're gonna see this i know i can't believe we're gonna see this yeah and that's sorry to brag (laughs) i'm sorry to brag i cannot believe we're seeing this yeah so holy shit the one thing to say before we wrap up is I want like to set the scene as we're recording this now we don't know exactly what he's going to be doing at Wrestlemania we have the only thing he's been on uh, at this time of this recording is the Smackdown where he came back and he announced that he was cleared for in-ring competition and he did that promo that I was talking about where I was like well you can't like dream your way out of being brain damaged Um, but then at the end of the show the uh, heel duo who has been antagonizing Shane McMahon uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens come out and this is interesting to me because there are parallels between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan and they have made those parallels explicit in a lot of ways during this storyline with them so i don't want to get into it too deep because it's it's probably That's a whole other it's a whole other episode but Sami Zayn and kevin owens tried to start the yep movement <laughs> uh, and 
they were basically like, look, we are taking up your mantle, Daniel Bryan. Oh, my God. But it was sort of like clear from the beginning. It's Google versus Bing. It's totally Google versus Bing. I'm going to Bing it. I'm going to yep move in it. So this is so good. Um, but, but like the whole point of it was... The whole point of it was that they're sort of taking Daniel Bryan's name in vain. They're taking his legacy in vain because they... They Cain and Abel? Kind of. It's I Cain and Abel before Jesus. That's, yeah, that's true. Work. That's true. It, what they are is... Let me just explain what it is. So, okay. <laughs> so Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have the Yet Movement and it's a perversion of all of this Occupy Raw stuff. They tried, They do an Occupy Smackdown. They do... And it's like... Daniel Bryan is the general manager of SmackDown and they keep being like, Daniel, see, like, we all, we're all from the indies. We've all known each other. Like, we're being just like you. And Daniel Bryan is like, kind of. Accept me, father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're antagonizing Shane McMahon. But the weird thing is, in the Daniel Bryan story, antagonizing your boss makes you a face. But in the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens story, antagonizing your boss makes you a heel. Ooh, so it's, You become what you hate. Well, it's just weird because, like... N- you should never have a McMahon be the face. The McMahon should always be heels. They're always the corporate assholes. Yeah. That's who they should play. So it's a weird story, and it kind of wasn't working until last night on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan basically came clean with Sammy and Kevin, who were doing this, like, thank you so much. You've been so supportive of us. And he's like, look, I've known you guys forever. Like, we're brothers. We come from the same place. You know, 10 years ago when we were all wrestling in an armory, none of us ever thought we'd be here and here we are but you guys have gone too far you have completely just become slaves to your own self-regard and your own ego like all this stuff you have disrespected wrestling exactly (laughs) exactly you have disrespected wrestling and he fires them he's like you're fired you're out look i've been fired from wwe before i'm so like you can come back from this but you're out you're fired and then Sami Zayn and kevin owens attack him (laughs) And start kicking him in the head and everything. Can we watch this while we make pizza? Yeah, totally. But they kick him in the head? Yeah. I mean, Sammy. it's fate. It's, it's, it's wrestling. It's, it's not a, real. It's a head. <laughs> you get one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but it's a really interesting segment because they're clearly, there's so much grief in it. It's so heartbreaking to watch them do this. And I think if it's leading to whatever it's leading to at Wrestlemania I think is going to be really cool so I'm really excited I'm really excited too yeah we're going to cry while we're there (laughs) Um, I think this is this is not the end of our Daniel Bryan story this is us putting a pin in it yeah because we've covered what we need to cover Um, this was of course we have a great time doing every episode yeah Uh, yeah so thank you again for listening as we said at the beginning thank you so much for all of your support Um, at all all forms of support we've gotten so much wonderful feedback and we, we really really guys. appreciate it um we should probably start making an action plan for replying to emails instead of going oh did you see the nice email yeah 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 <laughs> thank you for sending us emails yeah um special shout out this episode to valerie volcano on twitter and jay irradiated trash on twitter for hooking us up at wrestlemania um we're so excited to hang out with you guys thank you so much uh west coast producer hunk tears as always illy Boshin, who made our logo uh, Runt, Nate, our intrepid producer, who hey, is thanks, babe. working through <laughs> sniffles right now to uh, to record this for us. Um, thank you so much, everybody who's been suggesting us for the Starcast uh, thing at All In. Please, if you want us to 
go to All In and do All In coverage, we would love to do it. Please keep suggesting us. We would be so psyched. Um, yeah, and uh, follow us on Twitter at WrestleSplania. Email us at WrestleSplania at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. SoundCloud.com slash WrestleSplania. All that stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you, you guys soon. We'll see you guys in Mania. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.